with a look back over the weekend sports action. This is Full Time on KCLR with Sinead Kyo. Welcome along to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday evening. Can't believe another week has gone by. Back here again in the hot seat, having a look back on all the sporting action that took place over the weekend. Well, there lo- there's lots to come up on the uh, the show today. Of course, we're going to be covering all of the local sports news, but we'll also be going a little bit international on, uh, on Full Time today as well. You'll remember Harry Ewing from a couple of weeks ago, professional golfer, and Carlo Mann. Uh, he's going to be live from Augusta and he's going to be previewing the Masters 2022 for us so that's coming up a little bit later on um, in the show I'm also going to be speaking to James Blanchfield as well the PRO of Kilkenny RFC and he's going to be chatting to me about Kilkenny RFC's win uh, over Dundalk in Nace yesterday they're into a Towns Cup final in two weeks time so exciting times ahead uh, for them so we'll be we'll be having a little bit of a, a chat about that uh, and their chances in the final um, coming up in part two of the show and we're also going to be speaking as well to David Dowling. Uh, David Dowling you'll know him, he's from uh, Star Hurley he's one of the most prestigious hurley makers in the country, Kilkenny man uh, Kilkenny based as well um, and we're just going to be chatting a little bit about some of the challenges that face uh, the, the industry, um, you'll know that Canning Hurley's uh, closed down there, they made the announcement that they're going to be closing down uh, so we'll be chatting a little bit about that as well um, but first uh, I'm joined on the line now by our very own Tommy Murphy uh, there was a lot of action in the Carlo club scene at the weekend uh, so Tommy's joining me on the line now just to tell me a little bit about what went on how are you doing Tommy? Good evening Sinead How are you getting on? We're still standing anyway Sinead We're that's, still standing That's one of the big things Yeah So tell me Tommy How how did um, how did things go anyway over the weekend? I know uh, on Friday evening uh, There was some big games there in Division 1 Yes there certainly was uh, Sinead uh, All the senior football leagues Which is one of the biggest competitions Before the championship uh, got going in Carlow. On Friday evening, we had three games in the Senior Football League. Uh, Tin Ryland, uh, 2 10, or Lachlan, 8 points. That seemed close enough. And Rad Billy, 3 9, Bagnetown Gales were on 7. And I was talking to the Bagnetown Gales men yesterday evening. They said they were very, um, even though the show was 3 9 to 1 7, but they were happy with their performances. Now, Sinead, I suppose we have to say at this stage that all the clubs are playing with that. Some, players have, some clubs have a lot of players in on county panels and all the clubs are playing without our county players. And the other game, and this was a big surprise um, um, in the scoreline, Era Og 6-18, of course, Era Og are the county champions, Palatine 5 points. But then a lot of uh, clubs are only kind of regrouping, trying to see what we have and where we are. And the first day out is always the hardest. Yesterday evening, the Division 2, which is probably always... Um, a more tighter league uh, started with Vins for Navon, Railyard, Fenna, and Balnebran received the walkover from Kilbride. Um, okay, Navon was seven, seven points, Air 05, Railyard 216, O'Hannon's 217, Mount Leinster Rangers 16, and Mount Leinster Rangers would be, have a lot of players in on different county panels, and as I said, Balnebran received the walkover. So I suppose you know, Division 3 and Division 4 are also up and running. And one of the big scores in Division 3, I just see where Clonmore, Clonmore were very disappointed that they 
and they were almost within a whisper of winning the Intermediate Championship last year, the Intermediate Football Championship, and all of a sudden they found themselves back in the junior ranks. But they're making one big effort that they're not going to stay there too long. And they beat Palatine's second team by 8.20 to 1.5. That was there on Friday evening. So that's the, the leagues are away. Um, the early points matter as well, Sinead. And I suppose moving on from the weekend, fixtures are going to come very fast and furious now. Tonight, actually, the Bulger Cup Shield. Now, the Bulger Cup uh, starts in earnest tomorrow night as well. But this is for uh, senior hurling and intermediate hurling teams. Now, hence the Rangers take on St. Mullins. That game is tonight in Burris at 7 p.m. And Carlotown Hurling Club will take on Palatine in Carlotown at 7 p.m. tonight. Tomorrow night, then, is the Bulger Cup. Um, the Bulger Cup first came in in 1970. It was presented by Tom Nolan, a former TD, uh, Tom and Michael man. And it was run by Michael the first year it came in. But on account of being the man living at the time, the name had to be changed, and it was called uh, after Tom Bulger Grange, a man that did tremendous work in the 40s and 50s in GA. So it has been further holding uh, competitions ever since 1970. Tomorrow night, St. Mullins and Ballon Killen, and this is our first team now, this is the senior teams. Um, that's in St. Mullins at 7 o'clock. Mountains the Rangers will host Bagnerstown Gales in Burris. And Navon travelled to uh, Navon. Michael travelled to Navon. That's the Super Bowl in Lockton Bridge. So those are the three games down for tomorrow night, uh, Sinead. And of course, then Wednesday evening, Sinead. This is where the football boots have to be got out now. They could have been left uh, <laughs> under the press since uh, maybe last September, October. Now they have to be got out and polished and togs and stockings because the Senior Football League Division Five swings into action on Wednesday evening. Yeah. And Sinead, just before we go, unless you want to... No, no, go ahead there, Tommy. Next Saturday is a big day for um, the Carolina Hurlers. They have been doing very well in the championship, only beaten by Antrim, narrowly beaten by Antrim, and must say Alan Roach and uh, his uh, management team are doing a tremendous job. But the play down in uh, the play down next Saturday in Abbottstown at 1pm, that's Saturday night, and the 16th to play Westmead in Carlow. Now, if Carlo win those two games, which they're going all out to win, they will qualify for uh, the quarterfinals of the Leinster Championship. So, uh, certainly they have beaten Derry and uh, they have beaten Derry and Mead last to Antrim. But if they beat down and the West Mead, well then they're in. Uh, they will be going ahead with uh, Antrim. Uh, yeah. Two teams will be going through. And the Leinster Minor Football Championship is not until uh, Carlo will play Wicklow. That game is in Ockram, and that's a fortnight from Wednesday night. It's April the 20th. And we were talking there earlier on about county players, um, Sinead. You can see that all the championships are coming up in April. The Leinster Senior Football Championship is the last Sunday in April, on April the 24th. And um, that's uh, when the Carew's men, will, um, Carl, will take on Lout, and that's in Navin. 
And if Carlo win that game, well, now Carew will be playing against his own county then, Kildare. So let's hope that that does happen. Yeah, no, they're they're, they're coming taking fast now, as you said, um, but we're kind of into the business end of the year now. So lots to look forward to. But listen, thanks so much, Tommy, for for uh, chatting to us about all of those fixtures there at the weekend. And no doubt we'll be, we'll be back in, in touch with you again soon. And, and of course, we just have to mention there before I go that step, Tom Mullally's um, and the Carlos Senior Hurlers, they're out in the, uh, the 16th of April and they play mead at a mead venue and that's in the Joe McDonough Cup. So you can see, Sinead, they are coming thick and fast and we'll bring you the results as they come. Ah, look, we're looking forward to it. Um, so listen, thanks so much, Tommy. We'll chat to you again soon. That was Tommy Murphy. There, our very own Tommy Murphy. He's like an encyclopedia, really, of uh, Carlo GAA. But it's great to have him uh, on chatting about uh, all those fixtures there over the weekend in uh, club football. Uh, so we're going to just take a quick break now. And as I mentioned there, just uh, at the top of the show, we're going to be speaking to uh, Kilkenny RFC PRO now in a couple of minutes, uh, James Blanchfield. And he's going to be talking about that win for Kilkenny yesterday in Nace. Full time on KCLOR. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at Lahartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, lahartzvolkswagen.ie. Full time on KCLOR. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at Lahartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, lahartzvolkswagen.ie. Welcome back to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. Uh, now, as I mentioned there earlier on, Kilkenny are true to their first Provincial Towns Cup final since 2015 after getting past Dundalk in a thrilling semi-final encounter in Nace yesterday. Now, joining me on the line now to chat about that game is James Blanchfield. And uh, I, I'm sure James is in flying form. You're a happy man today, James. Oh, everybody's happy. Yeah, look, we've... Ooh. We have uh, 80 minutes left to bridge a 20-year gap now, you know, so yeah. that's, 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 that's what we're trying to do now, try and build that 20-year gap and hopefully we do it, you know. It was a hard-fought battle there, James, especially kind of in the closing stages. Um, and I know that you commented on it yesterday when you were on air there with Shane, like they defended for their lives. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't easy for them. No, 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 look, it was fast for me. The, the, the truth is all, like... We played on at a better rugby in the game. Yeah, Dundalk had about 60% possession, but we played all of the rugby, all of the tangible rugby and all of the tangible attacking phases that happened. We were the team that did all of that. But Dundalk had, what Dundalk had was had a very, very big front front pack and a lot of good players in reserve to bring on as well. And they really brought a huge, monumental effort on us at the end of the first, at the end of the first half but particularly at the end of the second half, with ten minutes to go for us, the game was the game was in the balance. We, you know, up, and, up, up until up until the final whistle, the final whistle, funnily enough, was Dundalk were held up over the line. You know, so another inch to the left, they could have scored a try in the final play of the game. So our lads defended superbly well, but they have been defending superbly well for the last number of weeks. Yeah, and I know Dundalk were actually within a point only of you um, before having a man sent off. How crucial was that to Kilkenny's advancement, uh, do you think, in, in the latter stages of the game? I actually think it didn't have a great impact. Um, there was one instance there just before Rice Stanley's try 
where Roy went over, um, but Hugh Corkery, if we'd put it through the hands, Hugh Corkery would have gone over in the corner. That was probably the one area where we would have seen Hugh had a lot of space with his opposite number that was sent off, so um, he would have had a lot of space. But Dundalk, to their credit, they changed their game plan. Well, they didn't really actually change their game plan. Their game plan was always forward-orientated, but they kept it closer into their forwards, knowing, knowing and rightfully knowing that if it went out to the backs, that our defence, when it was 15 to 15, our defence was on top all day. It was 15 against 14. They would have been going nowhere. So they played to their strengths, kept it in tight. And they, look, at, in fairness, the Dawson did very well when they went down to 14. But we defended we, we defended superbly as well in, in that period of time. It was probably 20 minutes at the end of the, the final 20 minutes. They were down to 14. But... Shortly after that, we were actually reduced to 14 as well because Gary Dunn was deemed to have made an illegal attack and he was given a yellow card. So he only came back on for the last five or six minutes of the game. So it was an important passage of play there in the in the final quarter where it was 14 v 14. You know? So look, to answer the question, had a very minimal impact on the on the overall game. And uh, who, who, James, for you were the standout performers for Kilkenny? You know, it's a good question. I've been thinking about that a lot. And I think it'd be very unfair for us to pick out to pick out any one individual because you know, there was only twenty players that could be named for a Towns Cup match where in a Lynch League game there's twenty two players and you know, it's uh, yeah, in a Lynch League match there's twenty two players in a Towns Cup there's twenty players. There was a couple of guys there yesterday who weren't selected and I think they need an incredible kind of level of kudos. Guys like Lyndon Brannigan, Andrew Warner, Shane O'Connor, Kieran Sutton, you know, they were on the sideline yet having been part of the team all year. Um, they deserve an incredible pat on the back. But I suppose only 20 people can tug out and, and make the and make, make the match day squad. And it was a big squad effort. But I have to say, Ben Devlin, our hooker, uh, number two, has been has been incredible. Really, really good for us the last number of weeks. And yesterday was another good day for him. Um, when Carter's second row, uh, as he is, the older he gets, by the time you're 32, 33 now, and he's just getting better with age and controlling games better. Um, David O'Connor, our entire back row of David O'Connor, Gary Dunn and Roy Stanley were, were, were absolutely out of this world yesterday. The back line, you couldn't really pick anybody head over head, head and shoulders over anybody else because they all played so well. And look, if I was to pick one out of, our, out of our whole game, yes, it would probably be Roy Stanley was probably our standout performer. But if, in saying that, you're kind of you're forgetting about the, the, the 19 other guys who all played a very, very important part in it as well. And I must add the four guys who didn't make the squad. So it is a squad effort at this level. And you know, there were fellas in the squad yesterday who probably won't be in the squad come the final because it might be a change of tactic. Um, for yesterday, knowing that we were going in against a much bigger, more physical Dundalk team, uh, Dundalk forward pack, we selected four forwards on the bench and only one back. Next day around, that could be that we might select three forwards on the bench and two backs or, or vice versa, you know. So there's an awful lot of stuff that needs to be weighed up here. But, um yeah, Roy Stanley was, was brilliant yesterday, but as I said, every, everyone who took the field and who was on the sole bench for finishing bench yesterday were, were just brilliant for the team. Yeah, and that's interesting what you say there, you know, that they might go with kind of different people, uh, different personnel for the, the final, uh, you know, tactically speaking, they, they just kind of might opt for uh, for, for some different faces. Um, so there's healthy competition there for, for spots at the moment then uh, come the final. There's absolutely healthy competition. Look, we've been in a very unfortunate position all season where 
between guys being missing through COVID and guys being missing through injury. We, in our league campaign, we only got a full-strength team on, the t- on, on what would be considered a full-strength starting 15 on paper that we only got them onto the pitch once. And that was only for a 15-minute spell where a couple of them actually went off injured. So not until yesterday did we have our full, our full complement of players all available to us. And uh, for that reason, there was an awful lot of headaches made. Like, I mean, Joe Moynihan was back from injury. Joe was a prop who signed for us this year. He came up to live in, in Stony Ford, came up to Cork. Uh, years, years of AAL experience with Sunday as well. Like, he only got to play for us once this season before he got injured. He was back in the squad yesterday. So we, like, we have Ashbourne the next day out. Um, we're probably quite evenly matched with Ashbourne in all positions across the pitch. And um, for that reason, kind of, we need to um, we need to make sure that we're we're selecting a squad for finals. Matt, that that's on a par that will do a job at Ashbourne. But the playing resources that are available to us at the moment, everybody everybody is excellent, you know, across all, across all positions. And there's depth there at the moment that we didn't have in the league. And the point I'm trying to get is, if we had the, if we had all of our players available to us in the league, it would have been a different outcome for us. We probably wouldn't have been a relegation battle. And now we're kind of seeing in the Towns Cup when we have everybody available to us, what we can actually do, you know. So um, that's important. That's important is player depth because rugby is a physical game, and some days you'll have players, some days you won't. But the the, the big thing out of us yesterday was we won Towns Cup semi final and an traditional Towns Cup semi final, but we we come out of it with, with no injuries, so that's a bonus. That's actually just the next thing I was going to ask you there, James. Is there any injury concerns? So that's great that there's not. Um, so it looks like there's no injury concerns, and they've been the, they've been the thorn on our side this year. I think at one stage this season we had 11 guys off our first team out injured or off our first squad out injured. Now we're coming into it's great to be able to play rugby this time of year. Uh, it's great to be in a Towns Cup final, and it's great to have every single player available to us. And others, there's other guys who are going to be putting their hands up there as well over the next week or two. Uh, and what's yeah. like? What's their kind of record like against uh, against Ashburn? Yeah, look, we lost the 2014 final against Ashburn. Uh, heartbreaking final for us to lose in Tullow. Um, the spine of our team that's still there today, uh, Joe Manuel, Wilde Carter, Lee Caddy, Martin Lahey, they would have been involved in the 14 and 15 finals, so they're hurting as well, and they feel they owe Ashburn, they owe Ashburn one in a final. We've beaten them once in the season this year, they've beaten us once in the season this year in the league campaign. Um, over, over the last number of years, I suppose the, the balance of success has been in their favour. They've beaten us probably more than we've beaten them. Uh, but both teams have gone through a lot of transition in the last two or three seasons through COVID. They've lost a couple of their main players. We've lost we've we've lost a couple of our main players. Um, so since since we faced them last in the Towns Cup final, there's been a lot a lot of significant changes to both squads. Um, look, I said it going into the game yesterday. They're too close to call. Um, Towns Cup finals are always too close to call. We've lost two of them in the last seven years by the kick of a ball. So, you know, um, we're just hoping that we can go in and we can we can go up to up to Kildara on Easter Sunday and uh, and, you know, come away come away with the town's cup in our in our back pocket and it doesn't matter how you win it. Um, you don't have to go out there and play squash bucket and rugby for 80 minutes and run try in after try. It can be a case that a Towns Cup final or any final for that instance can be a 3 nil or a 6 nil or a 9 points to 6 win where it's the day for the kickers and there's no try scored. Um, so look, we're, we're just looking forward to the task of, of playing Ashbourne. Um, 
both teams know each other very, very well. Um, they know us well, we know them well. So I can see it being a very cagey affair. Yeah, and, and James, I know we touched on it there at the beginning of our chat as well. Like it's 20 years since you've won the uh, the Towns Cup. Uh, so there must be a lot of excitement building now um, a lot of anticipation building as well for this final on Easter Sunday in the club. Yeah. Uh, there is, there is, there is. Look at it's not even 24 hours since we beat Dundalk. And there was people there yesterday who were part of the 1986 Towns Cup winning team. Um, there was also people there who were part of the 1917 who lost the final actually to Dundalk. And um, there was lads off the 2001 and the 2002 team there yesterday. Nobody is rooting for this current team more than more than those guys. They're all great club men: Nick McGrath, Simon Manuel, Jar McDonald, um, and uh, and that kind of cohort of people. They're all great club men from from back in that era era who were still contributing a lot to the club. But 20 years for a club like Kenny is a long time to go without bringing a Towns Cup home. We won it on five occasions. Um, in my living, mem- living memory, I've seen us lose it on four occasions in 1987, 1986, and then the, the two aforementioned ones in 14 and 15. Um, 20 years is a long time for us, so look, we're just going to be hoping now that we can bring it back this year. Um, there's, uh, ironically, uh, Simon Manuel, who was our captain in 2001. His son, Joe, is, um, is is going to try and emulate his old man and try and pick up his own Towns Cup medal. And, you know, it's the one thing that his dad has over in, in Kilkenny is that he has a Towns Cup medal. Joe has an ARL medal with Shannon. But uh, he's, 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 he'll do anything to get his hands on that Towns Cup medal that is uh, to match his old man's uh, feet in the club, you know. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's exciting times ahead and I know that we're all behind you here in KCLR and we're going to be covering the game live as well so we're really looking forward to that as well. Um, but listen, James, lovely chatting to you and sure we'll be, we'll be back Thank in you. touch again soon. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks right. very much. Thanks, James. Bye-bye. That was uh, Kilkenny RFC PRO James Blanchard. James Blanchfield sorry they're talking about uh, Kilkenny's qualification for a Towns Cup final um, so we're going to take a quick break now but coming up after the break we're going to be chatting to David Dowling of Star Hurley so do stay tuned for that Full time on KCLOR with thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at La Hearts, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny LaHartsVolkswagen.ie Full time on KCLOR. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at La Hearts, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, LaHartsVolkswagen.ie. Welcome back to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. Uh, now, I'm joined on the line by David Dowling of Star Hurleys here in Kilkenny, one of the most prestigious hurley makers uh, in the country. Um, and the reason that we're, we're chatting to uh, to David today is because, as many of you will know, Canning Hurleys, uh, another really well-known hurley makers um, down in Galway, Joe and Ollie, of course, uh, who used to play with Galway. Uh, they, Joe actually announced there last week that they're going to be closing down uh, due to some of the, the challenges uh, that the hurley making industry are facing at the moment. Uh, David, first of all, thanks so much for, for joining me uh, on the show today. Uh, no problem at all, um, So yeah, look, uh, David, we we had um, an interesting conversation um, there, myself and yourself, off air uh, a couple of days ago, and um, you were just saying, like, I, I know, like the reports that we're we're reading recently, um, especially uh, the one that that Joe released uh, on Instagram and and Twitter was he was talking a lot about kind of the the dieback disease. But when we were speaking, uh, you were saying there's there's a lot of factors really now contributing 
contributing to, I suppose, um, just very challenging times for the hurling making in industry at the moment. Would, would you mind just kind of telling us a little bit about those factors? Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. Um, I suppose the the dieback is a, is a is a factor, but the dieback is more looking at maybe you know long term and that what's going to impact ash supply in a big way, you know. But the, the dieback, I suppose, the way people are talking, it's as if dieback is after um, spiraling out of control in the last four weeks, and all of a sudden there's no ash, which you know there's kind of a false kind of narrative around it. So I suppose what, what's really happened is some of the supply lines have been cut off. Um, like a, I saw Hurley Maker doing an interview um, the other day on on uh, social media and one of the on Joe.ie and he just said, you know, he supposed he said eighty percent of the planks that people are using are supposed to be coming in from the Ukraine, but then at the same time he was talking about dieback finishing the the hurl, you know, the Hurley business within that. But like what, what's really has happened is Ukraine has been cut off because of the war, you know, and hopefully that will end soon. And and like that that's not dieback, you know. Um, I suppose we're lucky in one way. We only deal with local suppliers, so all our, all our suppliers are in Kilkenny and Tipperary. And, you know, at the moment, we have a really good supply of ash. Um, and we'll, for the sub, you know, for the summer, up, up well into next year, I'd say, you know, no problem at all. Um, so that that's one of the issues. Mm. And another issue would be Quilcha. I suppose Quilcha haven't really, you know, they haven't caught any timber in Ireland in, oh, I'd say, about 10 months, any ash. Because what's happening is that there's appeals going in against every spelling license that they're going for. So some of those appeals, like I'm aware of one private wood owner who, who applied for a felling license and it took him two and a half years to get it because someone appealed against it. So, And that's happened with every license that they're going for. Mm-hmm. So that's really impacting. Like That's thousands of planks that Quilcher would have that just aren't there at the moment. Yeah, that that is a big issue, and and um, I know even kind of uh, coming from a farming background as well, it's something that um, is really affecting any, anyone that's uh, involved in forestry as well. But the, yeah, like there's there's the felon licenses, there's um, you know obviously the war in Ukraine there, where a lot of uh, hurley makers are, are getting their their import uh, importation of of ash from yeah. there. There's the dieback as we mentioned, but there's there's other things as well. Like I I know that something else that we were speaking about uh, before as well David was uh, you know like the, 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 um, the industry of hurley making it's a, it's a it's a family kind of business doesn't it it tends to be tends to be um, in families yeah. and do you think like are there are there young people getting into it now or is that uh, is that kind of scarce nowadays to see young um, lads kind of getting into the the business so in, in the actual hurley making itself you, you would see young people getting into it now it, it's a tough business because it is very like like we're in it for, you know, sixty years, you know. So we're we're dealing with like a lot of suppliers we're dealing with. We're dealing with them for thirty years plus, you know. And we would have dealt with, say, fathers, and now we're dealing with sons, you know, that have taken that over. But in terms of the knocking of ash and the planking and all that, like it, it's, I can think of two, maybe two people that are doing it that are under the age of maybe forty-five to fifty. So you know, one lad is in his late twenties, another man in his thirties, and other than that, everybody is probably. You know, they're over the age of 50. So it's not, like, so the suppliers aren't probably there like they used to be either. So, like, certain suppliers will have their clients. So what's after happening now is the Ukraine ash is gone. So a lot of people that we're getting from the Ukraine are going to have to try and source it locally. But there's only so much that the local suppliers can do. And I suppose what's happening is they're probably going to supply 
they're regular, you know, more so because they've been loyal to him over the years. They haven't gone away from him, and it, it is going to be tough on some people. So, like, and with that, then you have like most of the lads who supply it, they own sawmills, so they're very flexible. Like, if if they're um, you know, they can change from doing ash, they can do t- commercial timber, they can do, you know, whatever they want, really, timber-wise. So, like, I know of one man who knocks timber and planks it and se- he was selling it, but he also makes some hurls. And he's just full-time now, he's just making hurls, so, and he actually knocks himself, he's using to make hurls, but th- that's one supplier gone that would have been supplying probably five, six, seven, eight hurley makers, you know. Um and then I suppose we're we're not long we're still in a pandemic but we're not long out of lockdowns and that and like a lot of ash comes from England so during, during those lockdowns there was no ash coming from England because what happens is the lads go over they knock it and then it comes back in lorry loads and that you know yeah so so that would have left there would have been a big um, you know a lot of ash that could have been knocked during that time that wasn't knocked like I, I'm aware of one supplier we have he had 1700 butts marked up and during Covid he couldn't go over so they all just got Caught for firewood, you know, or whatever else um, they were used for, you know. So that, you know, that was a massive amount mm-hmm. of what you could be looking at fifteen, twenty planks per boat. So, like that, there are other issues. There's a lot of small issues that have kind of come together that are affecting supply. You know, more so than dieback at the moment. Like dieback is an issue, an ongoing issue, and eventually is going to be, you know, with Irish and English timber, and that is going to be a massive issue. But. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no dieback in the Ukraine, so to say. Um, yeah. I'd be aware of or two other countries in Europe that we're probably going to look into that. We have um, connections in, I suppose, that, that you know, there is timber and we'll, we'll probably look into it in the next few years, maybe. But yeah. at the moment, there's a, there's a plenty of supply in Ireland and England. Um, you know, and a few probably things have maybe some people that would have knocked stuff in England. Maybe Brexit, you know, there's customs now, there's fuel costs you know the current fuel costs are really high so I think um, maybe one or two people have stopped knocking in England or, or they're only knocking in Ireland so that lessened their supply as well so yeah like it's it's kind of the, it's sort of coming at you from all angles really um, but just like I suppose like I was thinking a little bit about it today and I, I don't know I always just whenever I think about Harley making I always just kind of think it's it's such an integral part of our heritage and, and culture really isn't it when you think about Gaelic games and then just the art yeah. of of making a hurley and and I just I just think like it's it's such a big part of our culture I think that like any supports that you need uh, from a government point of view um you, you should be given and what what supports do you think um w- would be helpful at, at this point David well I suppose from from a governmental point of view a, a lot of time and you know you hear people talking about they're putting money into looking for alternative stash hurls but there's plenty of ash in Europe that the government could open up supply lines maybe or you know there, there's loads of things like um, the government maybe in conjunction with Quilcher. Quilcher are always trying to you know look at look at where supplies can come from and that kind of thing but like that, that that'd be the one one thing really and they could promote I suppose ash early making really because before there was ever Hurling, there has to be a hurl, you know. Um yeah. You know, like I, I often find they're very quick to promote alternatives to hurls, but like the ash supply is still there, you know, and there's still loads of like, you know, many hurls. Do you see one hurl that isn't ash in it? In every game, probably not even, you know. No. But, you know, really, like you look at most matches, you might see one hurl that isn't made from ash, but 
even most matches there's probably 30 ash hurls being used you know so it's it's uh, I don't know I just think it, it needs to be um, it needs to be just promoted a bit more like cause, you know it's always technology and what can we do better but the one thing in hurling that hasn't changed is that we use an ash hurl you know hurling balls have changed a bit over time the size of the bosses have changed and that's different that, you know the size of the hurls maybe and that but it's still always been made from ash and ash seems to be it's most people's preference as well, you know. So yeah, no, definitely, and and, and the thing that that I always find so special about the kind of hur- hurley making as well is like the relationship that exists between the hurley maker and the customer. Uh, it's a special one, like isn't it? Like I even remember, I would, yeah. you know, like when you're younger, you're going and you're getting your first hurl, and you'll probably stick with that hurley maker for the entirety of your of your playing career, like so. And and it, that's what something that just struck me, um, you know, in the in, in the canning, um. Joe Canning's statement they were saying they didn't want to compromise on the quality of the hurl that they were producing because the last thing you want to do if you've built up a relationship uh, with a customer that you've known maybe since they were a child and you've been producing their hurlies from you know since they were a tot up till, till you know they're in their maybe 20s or 30s you don't want to hand them over a substandard hurl you know so you can see where they're coming from from that point of view Oh 100% yeah we'd have we'd have a corner in here where we might have a piece of timber that look great and there might be a mark in it or something and, and the hurls get thrown in there, you know, because you don't want to hand them out um, something that you think might break or something like that, you know. So you're always, uh, you never know with timber, you know, what way it's going to go. But oh no, you're always trying to look after everyone. Like a lot of the time here, we try to make make the hurl in, in the person's presence, I suppose, so we can we can make them exactly what they want and they can tell us what they want. Yeah. Um, you know, you're really, you're customising something to suit person and everybody's different you know so uh, absolutely you're always trying to you know you'd be encouraging people if they have a hurl they like to bring it in with them and we can copy it again you know and do the same thing yeah and that's what kind of makes it so special as well well listen uh, David it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today so thanks so much for coming on and just kind of sharing all that information uh, with us Um, and look we'll we'll chat again soon hopefully Uh, but uh, yeah thanks again David talk to you soon thank you bye bye so that was David Dowling there just uh, from uh, Star Hurleys in Kilkenny just talking a little bit about the, the challenges that are facing the hurley making industry at the moment. We're going to take a quick break now and coming up after the break we're going to be speaking to Harry Ewing uh, who is live in Augusta to preview uh, the Masters 2022. Full time on KCLOR with thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at La Hartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny lahartzvolkswagen.ie Full time on KCLOR. With thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at Lahartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, lahartzvolkswagen.ie. Welcome back to Full Time with myself, Sinead Kyo. Uh, now I am joined on the line, hopefully, by Harry Ewing, who is live in Augusta. Uh, Harry, are you there? I am indeed, Sinead. Hi, ha- how are you? Harry, how are you getting on? Uh, all good Sinead, yeah, all good. Just landed in Atlanta this morning, so I'm actually still in Atlanta for the moment. Uh, had a kind of an overnight flight across from the West Coast, so taking a bit of time just to chill out and get acclimatised today, and we'll head up tomorrow morning up to Augusta. But, um, yeah, the weather in Atlanta today is lovely. I believe the weather forecast for the next couple of days up in Augusta is sketchy at best. I think there's a lot of rain forecast there for tomorrow. And I think wind and rain forecast for Wednesday, which would be the Par 3 tournament. So that will be interesting. And there's so many stories ongoing as we build up 
uh, at the start of this Masters week, um, stories surrounding Tiger Woods. Will he play? Will he won't? Obviously, huge excitement for us insofar as Seamus Power plays in his first Masters. That's going to be uh, massive. I'm really looking forward to walking around with Seamus on the early days and, and see how he navigates the, the Augusta National Course for the first time. Yeah, like you mentioned there, uh, Tiger Woods, and definitely there is a lot of uh, of excitement uh, surrounding his participation in this year's this year's Masters. Like you know, his name is just synonymous with the sport, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing, Sinead. The sport still leans very much on Tiger Woods. He still very much is the guy that that what we call turns the needle as regards you know, interest and, and eyes on the game of golf. And especially when we come to the majors and there's such anticipation for this first men's major, the Masters. And um, we've waited a long time since the last major of last season. So the majors are where it's at as regards world golf and the men's game. And it's hard to believe really after his car accident of what, 13, 14 months ago that Tiger Woods is actually you know, contemplating or fit enough to be able to kind of compete. And, and it's one thing to be able to actually hit the golf shots, but it's quite another thing for him, obviously, because of the leg injury that he had, um, to actually physically be able to walk this course. Because for people that haven't kind of maybe seen it, they've seen it on telly, but to actually walk it in the flesh, it's severely hilly, it's up and down, and it, it takes a, a lot of energy and a lot of, a, lot of, uh, a lot of action, I suppose. So... You know, it's interesting to see. It looks as if he is going to play, to be quite honest. I think he's definitely obviously going to play in the Par 3 tournament on Wednesday with his son, Charlie, and that will be a magic moment. We saw them compete back in November in Orlando in the in the father and son tournament, and that was magic again. A huge amount of people tuned in to see that. And, but we could see how physically, you know, how much he was struggling physically, I suppose, in that event. And it just remains to be seen how much has the rehab improved in the four months since then. But I suppose Tiger Woods won't play unless he feels he can play and compete. And when I say compete, he probably feels he can win around this place. He's won here five times, obviously most famously and most recently in 2019 um, for his 15th major win. So, yeah, look, it's it's one of many, many stories and ways Sinead takes the pressure off some of the other guys, Rory McIlroy in particular, who always has a lot of pressure coming in here to try and complete the Grand Slam by winning a Masters. And as we know, he's he's been a, a long few years now since his last major win. Yeah, and um, let's talk actually a little bit about the, the Irish contingent then. Seamus Power's first Masters, um, it's an exciting time for him. What are you expecting from him, Harry? Yeah, really high hopes. In fairness, like Seamus has had an unbelievable period for the last year and a half, I suppose. And that win that he had of July of last year was was huge, huge to get a win on the PGA Tour. It elevated him into a completely different level um, with access to getting into bigger tournaments. And, and we saw over the last kind of four to six weeks that, you know, he was around that number of, of 50 in the world. And, and that's the top 50 get invited to play in this tournament. And, and the cutoff there was about three weeks ago. So he was kind of, you know, floating around that dodgy number of 49.50. But had a really fantastic world match play, the match play tournament there a couple of weeks ago, which, you know, solidified his place in this field. So, like, it's it's fantastic for him. He showed great cuts because he'd missed a couple of cuts before that match play, so the pressure was on. And, and in fairness, he dealt with it brilliantly in the match play. So, huge hopes for Seamus um, this week. It'll be fantastic to see him compete here. Like, there's 
if you go back on the history of Irish golfers that have actually competed in the Masters, the list isn't that long. Um, so it's a huge achievement to actually play in major championship golf. And, and for some people, the Masters or maybe the Open are the, are the real pinnacle of the majors. But a great guy, um, really down-to-earth, honest guy. I've known him for a few years. Some pals of mine here that I'm traveling with this week know him even better than I do. But genuine fella, and uh, we all just wish him the best for the week. It's very exciting for him. Yeah, well, l- listen, uh, Harry, that's actually all we have time for now. But thanks so much for uh, for bringing full-time international <laughs> and um, enjoy the tournament. And sure, look, we'll, uh, we'll chat to you again soon. Thanks so much. Lovely, Sinead. Take care. Okay, bye-bye, bye. Uh, so that was Harry Ewing there he's uh, I was wrong he's not in Augusta yet but he's uh, he's heading to uh, Augusta tomorrow he's still in Atlanta at the moment um, so yeah that's just about all we have time for today hope you enjoyed the show uh, you'll find me back here uh, same time same place next week uh, for more sporting conversations so do stay tuned for that um, but we're going to take a break now and Owen Carey is going to be up after this Full time on KCL or with thanks to the full range of Volkswagen vehicles at La Hartz, the home of Volkswagen in Kilkenny, Lahartz Volkswagen.ie.